0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 morning we'll be looking at verses 53 through 72 this morning mark chapter 14 if you don't have a bible of your own you can grab one of the pew bibles there and turn to page 800 in the pew bible that's 800 in the pew bible and if you don't have a a bible of your own then uh, you can certainly take that pew bible with you and that's our gift to you we want everybody to have a copy of god's word so please take that and use it Mark chapter 14 as we continue our study in the gospel of Mark looking at the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ as we move towards Easter. We begin to look at this verse this morning you know the the Christian life is a life of adversity. A lot of people don't get that In fact, there's a lot of people these days who who try to tell you, well, the Christian life is all wonderful and great and lovely and everything's going to be super, right? You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise if you trust in Jesus. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this world that is at odds with Jesus, it's not going to be great and wonderful, The Christian life is a life of adversity. Jesus, for example, tells us in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He's not talking about putting a a cross on your neck and and using it for a piece of jewelry. To take up your cross is to take up an implement of suffering and follow Jesus it's a hard life it's a life of pressing back against sin and temptation it's a life of pressing back against the darkness it comes with suffering John chapter 15 verse 20 Jesus says remember the word that I say to you A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And of course, Paul tells young Timothy, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The Christian life is a life of adversity. It's a struggle. We're living in a world that is at war with God. And if we're on God's side, guess what? The world has targeted us. The Christian life is a life of adversity. So the question is, how do we remain rock solid in our faith under adversity? And that's what our text shows us today. Because today we're going to see Jesus coming under adversity. And Jesus is our supreme example, right? As Christians, we want to be like Jesus. And so Mark sets up Jesus, and and he points us to Jesus, do like this, be like Jesus. And so Jesus serves as our example today. Now last week, we we began our study in the uh, book of Mark, and we were at the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus was under severe pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he taught us how to persevere under pressure, and he taught us if we're going to persevere under pressure, we've got to watch, right? We've got to be aware, we've got to watch, we've got to understand that temptations are going to come, trials are going to come, and we've got to understand our own human weakness. We've got to watch, and then as we watch, we've got to pray because we don't have it within ourselves we need God's strength if we're going to get through the trials and temptations of this life we've got to pray depending upon God's strength and then we have to submit to the will of the father just as Jesus watched prayed and submitted we must watch pray and submit in this world if we're going to overcome and going to persevere under the pressures that this world would put on us as followers of Jesus Christ Now Mark continues that study as we continue on in the book of Mark. Uh, Just prior to our verse today we see Jesus is still in the garden of Gethsemane and there the the people come and they arrest him and as they come to arrest him all of the disciples as Jesus told them all of his disciples fled. They leave him. Uh, it, It gives us interesting account there of one young man who was with him and uh one of the soldiers one of the people there who came to arrest jesus reaches out to grab this young man and as he's fleeing he just leaves his clothes he runs off naked because he would rather run away naked and ashamed than have to go with jesus and face what jesus is about to face so jesus is completely abandoned by all of his followers and there Mark picks up the story as he begins to show us Jesus' first trial before the Sanhedrin court that very night. So uh, if you found your place there in Mark, I would ask that you would stand with me as we read God's word. Mark chapter four or 14, starting in verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. That's the whole Sanhedrin court. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Literally, it means toward the light. Now the chief priest and, all the, and the whole council we seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none for many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet, even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garment and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him saying to him prophesy and the guards received him with blows and as Peter was below in the courtyard one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself she looked at him and said you also were with the Nazarene Jesus but he denied it saying I neither know know, nor understand what you mean And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times, and he broke down and wept. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word, and Lord, we do pray that you would write its eternal truth on all our hearts today. Lord, as we face adversity as your children, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, O oh Lord, let us learn from Jesus' example and let us stand strong in adversity, trusting in your strength, depending upon your power, and following your will. These things I pray in Christ's name, amen. And you may be seated. Now as we begin to look at this, Mark, Mark's intention here is to, to make a contrast between Jesus and Peter. That's why he, he tells us from the very beginning of that, para- that first paragraph that they're leading Jesus to the high priest, that is to Caiaphas, his name was Caiaphas at the time, but they were leading him to the high priest's house and uh, all of the, the chief priests and the elders, all of the Sanhedrin, the religious Uh, leaders there in jerusalem they were gathering together and he brings in the fact that peter was following along behind them right so so peter uh he, he was the one who who told jesus no if everybody else leaves you if i even have to die with you jesus i am with you to the end bro i'm your man but at gethsemane when when everything hit the fan right when when the guards came peter left with everybody else but now he's kind of getting that courage back up and so now he's following along behind them and he's in the picture right he's in the scene he's there and so mark's bringing that to our mind because he's fixing to compare jesus and peter and how they respond in adversity now jesus is brought To the house of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time, and here he is put on trial. Now, the Sanhedrin were the religious leaders of the day of the of the Jewish culture of the at Jerusalem. They were the religious leaders. The high priest was a of the chief of the Sanhedrin, but there was all these other leaders as well. There's about seventy of them total, and they're coming together to try Jesus. Now, they can't put Jesus to death themselves. But they need enough evidence to take him to Pontius Pilate, which we'll, we'll talk about later on. So they're gathering together their information. They're, they're gathering together their evidence against Jesus. And so they're bringing him to trial. Now this is a kangaroo court at best. right? They're breaking all of the rules with Jesus, but they don't really care about the rules at this point. They just want to get rid of Jesus. And so, first of all, they're meeting at night, which is a big no-no. You don't have a trial at night when everybody else is asleep. You, you don't have a trial at night. No, no, you were supposed to have a trial in the daytime when everybody else can be around, when there can be witnesses and testimony and all that sort of thing. Uh, but they're having it at night. They're having it in secret. Not only that, they're having it at the high priest's home, right? They're, they're having this private trial. They weren't supposed to have private trials. The trials were supposed to be in public. Typically when the Sanhedrin met and they would have these little trials they would meet there uh, somewhere around the temple court. They would meet there at the temple and so it was an open court so the other men could come in and, and witness the, the whole trial and see what was going on and hear all the evidence but they're not interested in that. So they're having it at secret, at night, at the High priest, home. All which was a big no-no. Furthermore, they've already set the sentence, right? They, They know what they want the verdict to be. They're just looking for the evidence, the evidence to get the verdict they want. Mark makes this clear because at the very beginning of this chapter, in in Mark 14, 1, he tells us that the chief priests and the elders and all the religious authorities, they're seeking to kill Jesus. They want him dead. And even in our text, he he tells us here, they were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death they're not interested in truth they just want jesus dead they want him out of the way right because jesus has come and he's disrupted their system they were the the men in charge they were the rulers and here jesus has upset the apple cart and called their leadership into question so they want him gone and so they're looking for evidence to kill jesus and so what do they do they begin to entertain this false testimony it's false testimony you see they need testimony scripture declares that in fact deuteronomy chapter 7 17 verse 6 says that you have to have the evidence of two or more witnesses in order to to cast the death penalty If you're going to put someone to death, you have to have the evidence of at least two, but even better yet, more witnesses, three or four or five witnesses, before you can actually put someone to death. So they're taking testimony. They're taking testimony. They're taking testimony. But all of this is false testimony. People are lining up to lie about Jesus. Now here again, they're not interested in justice because Elsewhere in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, 19, it tells us what you're to do to false witnesses. If you have a false witness who comes and, and testifies a lie about someone, Deuteronomy nineteen nineteen says, If if someone was found to be false witness, his punishment was, You shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. And so all of these false witnesses are lining up to lie about Jesus to put him to death, but they're not interested in justice. If they were interested in justice, they would put these false witnesses on trial and sentence them to death because they're trying to put Jesus to death with their lies, but they're not interested in justice. They don't care about justice. They just want Jesus dead. They want him out of here. They want him over with. Get him out of our hair. Get him out of our hair. They want him dead. But Jesus is the solid rock. Even in all of this, he remains rock solid in his faith. He remains rock solid in all that he does we see here that they have all of these false witnesses coming before them and they're telling them this that and the other and finally there is a group that come up and say hey we heard we heard him say that i will destroy this temple that was made with hands and in three days i will build another not made with hands right this whole group this group of people rise up and say this now apparently Apparently, it was considered a, a capital offense if you even threatened the temple. We see this in the Old Testament. Actually, in Jeremiah chapter 26, Jeremiah is brought on trial uh, by the religious authorities of his day, and they're seeking the death penalty because Jeremiah prophesied against the temple. And he declared in his day that God was going to destroy the temple because of Israel's sin. And, and thankfully, God God delivered him from that and he wasn't put to death but they were seeking the death penalty because he spoke against the temple he prophesied against the temple so apparently just speaking against the temple was considered a capital offense but it goes on to say even their testimony didn't match up it didn't it didn't coincide and and so they weren't able to use that in fact what Jesus had said is recorded for us in John chapter 2 verse 19 Jesus says destroy this temple this temple you destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up that's what he had said and John goes on to clarify he wasn't talking about the temple complex he was talking about himself in other words he was prophesying about what's taking place in this trial you will destroy this temple And then I'm going to raise it back up again in three days. So Jesus, in that, he had prophesied what was taking place here at Caiaphas' home. They're trying to destroy him, the temple of God, God in human flesh. And so after all of this, the high priest, he's gotten his belly full, right? Right? He's gotten his belly full. I mean, he, he's, they're, they're looking and looking and looking and they just can't come up with the evidence that they need. So Caiaphas begins to inquire of Jesus. Right? He begins his inquisition of Christ Himself and he begins to question Him, question Him, question Him. And so he, he asks him, well, do you have no answer? Listen to what they have to say about you. Do you have nothing to say? Do you really have no defense for yourself? What are you going to say against all of these people as they testify against you? And Jesus is silent. He's quiet. He just looks at him. No answer. Fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah that I read earlier there in the book of Acts, but Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 says, He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus is not there to defend himself. He is not there to fight off their lies. He knows their lies. He knows what they're trying to do. And he's silent. We wouldn't be like that, would we? That's a lie. That's baloney. Don't say that about me. But Jesus rests in the Lord. And before his accusers, he is silent. Because his life speaks his testimony, the works that He has performed, they speak the truth. And so before His accusers, Jesus is silent. And then the high priest goes on. And he asks them, asking Him point blank, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Beloved? Or the Beloved One, some translations say are you the christ he's asking him two different questions here number one are you the messiah are you the messiah the one that old testament told us about the son of david who would arise and and deliver god's people from their enemies are you the messiah that's number one and then are you the son of the blessed one and saying the blessed one, you remember we've talked about this before, they were very, very careful not to utter the name of the Lord their God in vain. So he would never say, are you the son of Yahweh? Oh no, no, that was forbidden. So he, he, says, he takes it safe and says, are you the son of the blessed one? Are you the very son of God? That's what he's asking him. And what is Jesus' response? I love this. Now Jesus has something to say. Jesus looks at him and says, I am! I am! Now if you remember in John's gospel, Jesus got in trouble for saying, I am. Because the Jews understood what he meant when he said, I am. You see, because in the Old Testament... When Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he saw the burning bush, and God spoke to him from the burning bush. It says, Moses, I want you to go down to Egypt and I want you to, to bring my people out of slavery. And Moses says, well, But Lord, who do I say is sending me? And God says, Tell them, I am has sent you. Jesus says, I am. Jesus is Yahweh. He is. I am. He is the one who was there speaking to Moses in the burning bush. He was the one who appeared in a flame by day and and a and or excuse me a smoke by day and a flame by night as he delivered the people from the Egyptians as he guided them through the wilderness. He is the great I am in human flesh. Jesus says, "I am." but he doesn't stop there he goes on and he says I am and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven now Jesus here is really stating three prophecies that were given about the Messiah Isaiah chapter 52 verse 8 says they will see with their own eyes they will see with their own eyes when the Lord, when Yahweh returns to Zion. Jesus says, I am, you will see. You will see the Son of Man. They will see with their own eyes. Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. I'll be seated at the right hand of power. And then Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. Jesus says he was coming. With the clouds of heaven. Jesus is the Messiah that scripture, Old Testament prophesied about. He is I am God in human flesh, and He is God's Messiah. Jesus said, I am all that you say that I am, I am He. And so the high priest says, blasphemy! He tears His clothes because that just demonstrates frustration. That demonstrates uh, anxiety, right? He, he rips His clothes. Do we have anything else to be said? Right? Do we need any more testimony? You, you've heard with your own ears, His blasphemy. A- and sure enough, if Jesus were not the Messiah, if He were not I Am, it would be blasphemy. But here's the thing, Jesus was telling the truth. It's not blasphemy because Jesus is I am. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is speaking the truth, but they're not interested in the truth. They want Jesus dead. They just want him dead. But through it all, Jesus remains rock solid under adversity. Why? Because he depends upon the Father's strength. Jesus depended upon the Father's strength. Go back to last week, right? When Jesus was in the Garden of, of Gethsemane. He was suffering, Father, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not My will, but Your will be done. Jesus understood His own weakness. You see, Jesus... Yes, He is 100% God. He is Yahweh in human flesh. But there was that human flesh part. And in that human flesh, Jesus was weak. And so He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and He fell down on His face before His Father. And He says, Oh Father, please let this cup, this cup of wrath that You're about to pour out on Me, on the cross, let this cup pass from Me. But not My will, but Yours be done. He prayed. He prayed depending on His Father's strength to get Him through all of this. And now, all of that is working itself out as Jesus faces the hour, as He faces what He had dreaded back there in the garden. Now He's dependent completely upon the Father's strength to get Him through. And Jesus stands firm. He is rock solid in the face of adversity. Because he depends upon his Father's strength. That divine strength to get him through. Jesus is the solid rock. Just as Christ is the solid rock, Mark then goes on to to give us this contrasting view of Peter. Peter, we see, is the crumbling rock. Peter himself is the crumbling rock. Now, you remember Peter. His name was Simon. You remember Simon? When Jesus found him, he was just Simon. It was Jesus who gave him the name Peter. Back there when Jesus was with his disciples and he says well who who do the people say that i am and all the disciples said oh well some people say you're a great teacher some people say you're a prophet some people say you're elijah right, risen again coming again and, and so they say this they say that and jesus says well who do you say that i am and all the other apostles they're kind of like ah. but not peter peter's like you are the christ the son of the living god and jesus says oh peter Your name is Peter. Your name is Peter. Your name is Petras. Your name is Rock. And upon this rock, upon the testimony that you just spoke, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You're Peter. You're the rock. But now Peter comes to a point of adversity in his life. And he crumbles under adversity. He crumbles under adversity. Now, he, he showed a little bit of courage, right? Because he's following behind Jesus. He's coming into the, the court there. Jesus is in, in, in Caiaphas' house and Peter's right outside. And he's warming himself with all the other guards, all the guards are there, the people are around, and he is warming himself, the, the Scripture literally says that he is warming himself toward the light. And so he, he's there, his, his face is showing, he's trying to be brave. And then a little girl comes by and says, Hey, I, I know you, I, I recognize you. Uh, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Aren't you with the Nazarene? And Peter crumbles before the inquisition of a little girl. I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. And he runs away. He, he goes over. Oh, I've got to get away from this girl. I've got to go over here. And so he goes over, and, and he, he goes over there by the gate, and he's talking to some people. She can't be undone that that easily. She can't be gotten rid of that easily. So she follows him over there. No, no, I I know. Surely you were with Jesus. You're, You're one of the Nazarenes. You were with him. Girl, I don't know what you're talking about. Get away from me. Get away from me. Leave me alone. And then some other people chime in. Oh, no, we were there at Gethsemane. Yeah, you're, 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 you're one of those Galileans, right? You are a Galilean. You, you're, your accent has given you away. You're a Galilean. You've got to be with Jesus. And Peter begins to curse and even invoke a curse upon himself. Right? I'd be damned if I'm one of his followers. I'm not with Jesus. Then the rooster crows. Peter couldn't stand. The rock crumbled under adversity. And as the rooster crows, Peter remembers what the Lord had said. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter went away and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. He knew he messed up. Why did he fold? Why did he fold? Why did he fall? Why did he fall? Because Peter is the image of self-sufficiency. He is the very image of of self-sufficiency. Yes, he's the one who says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But then when Jesus began to tell them, well, the Son of Man is going to be delivered over to Gentiles and He's going to be crucified he's going to be killed what does peter do peter the self-sufficient oh lord don't don't talk like that that surely will never happen to do to you we're not going to let that happen to you oh no not you lord we're going to take care of it when the lord said peter you're going to deny me three times that you know me. oh not me lord not me i'm too strong for that i'm too mighty for that remember i'm peter i'm the rock I'm not going to crumble. I'm going to be there with you. But when they were in Gethsemane and Jesus said, Peter, 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 watch and pray. Watch and pray. Quit depending upon your own self-sufficiency and depend upon God. Go to God. Ask God for strength. Peter said, I need to take a nap, Lord. I've got this and he goes and takes a nap. He's the very image of self-sufficiency. I can do this, Lord. I don't need I don't need God's help. I got this. I got this. I can do it. And when adversity came, he crumbled. He crumbled. Peter crumbled under adversity because he depended upon his own strength and not the strength of the Lord. Mark records this Gospel. He he gives us these two contrasting images of, of Jesus and Peter facing adversity. And he does this understanding that the Christian life is full of adversity. We'll face our trials. We'll face our temptations, our tribulations. Not like Jesus but we'll have those trials and tribulations. We'll come under pressure. We'll come under adversity. How will we respond? So many times we, we like Peter, we, we don't go to God. We don't spend time in prayer because I, I'm strong. I've got it. I can do it myself. Like a little two-year-old. I can do it myself, God. I don't need Your help. But I don't care who you are. I don't care how advanced you think you are in the faith. I don't care how strong you think you are spiritually. You cannot, will not, ever be able to do it on your own strength. You need the strength of God. Humble yourself. Put away your self-sufficient attitude and depend upon God's strength to get you through. Follow Jesus' example. Follow Jesus' example. Divine dependence is the only way to remain rock solid under adversity. Jesus remained rock solid under adversity because he depended upon the Father's strength to get him through. God gives strength to those who will humble themselves and admit their weakness and and trust in His strength. As you face adversities, turn to Christ. Trust in His strength. Trust in His ability to carry you through it all. Dear friend, we are weak. We are weak, but He is strong. And He is glorified in our weakness. The apostle Paul boasted in his weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 through 9, he says, "So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, Paul had received many revelations. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a message of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited three times three times i pleaded with the lord about this that he should that it should leave me but the lord said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i boast i will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of christ may rest upon me. Depend upon the Lord's strength to get you through every adversity. English reformer Thomas Kramer paints a a wonderful example of this. Under duress, Thomas Kramer was, was forced to recant his faith in Christ he had to write it out. Recanting his faith in Christ. Later on, he recanted his recantation. Right? He, he repented. He realized that he was wrong in and, and recanting his faith in Christ. He recanted. He repented. And he, he promised he promised that if he even had to be burned at the stake because of his faith in Jesus Christ he would hold out that hand that wrote that recantation he would hold it out first to be burned and true to his word when camer was brought to the stake the fire was lit, he held out that hand and he let it burn until he himself breathed his last breath. You see, the first time around, he depended upon his own strength and he recanted. The second time around, he trusted in the Lord's strength. And the Lord gave him the strength to face adversity and remain strong even unto death. How will you face adversity? Are you going to face it under your own strength? No, no. You'll never make it. Depend on God's strength. If you depend upon God's strength, whatever you face, even if you go to the stake to burn, even if you're hung on a cross, whatever it is, if you depend upon God's strength to get you through, he will get you through. Remain rock solid by depending upon the strength of the Lord. Now, Peter didn't remain rock solid. He crumbled, and he went away, and he wept bitterly. And ultimately, he repented, and he began to look at the Lord. He began to, once again to live for the Lord, and the Lord began to give him, gave him strength. And even Peter himself, later on, was crucified upside down because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some today that you're living life self-sufficient. You're thinking that you can go through this world depending upon yourself. I don't need you, God. I've got it. I've got it all figured out. I've got it. I can do it on my own. But let me tell you, you can't. You can't do life on your own. You can't, you can't, even, you can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. But God has provided a way. Turn away from your self-sufficiency. Jesus Christ was rock solid so you wouldn't have to be. He stood the test so that you wouldn't have to stand the test. He went to Calvary's cross. He went there to pay the penalty for your self-sufficiency. To give you life if you would only trust in Him. Peter repented from his self-sufficiency and surrendered completely to the Lord. And today, Jesus gives you that same opportunity. Turn away from your self-sufficiency. Leave it behind you. Trust in the Lord. Depend on His strength. And Jesus will save you and deliver you. Turn to Christ today. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Peter's example because, Lord, we'll just have to confess that each and every one of us, we've been there. In fact, Lord, we could probably all identify far better with Peter than with Jesus. How many times have we depended upon ourselves and not trusted you? Oh, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, help us to leave behind self-sufficiency and trust in the power that you have provided for us in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to lean into Jesus, to stand upon Jesus as we face every trial, every adversity that comes to us in this life. And, Lord, if there's those, and certainly certainly there are those today who've never trusted in Jesus, they're depending upon themselves. Lord, let them see they can't do it on their own. And I'll turn to Christ. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.